How would you feel if you knew, and I mean we know this, but I mean if we could live in it, that God is ever watchful over us, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us, that before we go to him in prayer, he already knows what we're going to ask for, and he's already provided for our needs. That's our God, beloved. That's our God. We're going to see that tonight. We're going to see his special providence at work for his children. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I'll tell you. Our God is so great, so glorious, so full of glory. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 8. This passage will show us the special providence of God towards his children. And I mean every one of us, Brother Dave. That's you, me, Brother Zane, Sister Linda, Brother Brian. That's all of us. God's special providence is set upon his people. And all who listen to this who are of the Lord's people, God's special providence is set upon us. There is never a time when we're out of the eyesight of Christ. Never. There's never a time when his watchful eye is not watching over us. In love. In love, beloved. And keep in mind that our, our fallen Adam plunged us into spiritual death. But we're restored in Christ by the regenerating power of God the Holy Spirit. We become spiritually alive again. Adam was a living soul. We were born because of the fall, dead in trespasses and sins. But now we're born again. We're made alive, aren't we? And the saints in glory are more alive than they've ever been. They're fully experienced being in the presence of Christ face to face. We will see tonight, though, God's special providence delivering his people and then restoring us. Restoring us in Christ Jesus our Lord. As this narrative unfolds, we'll see a picture of God watching over and caring for his people and restoring them and giving them even more than what they had. And I'm not talking material blessings. I'm talking spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings. Do you know God's sheep can never become a goat? And a goat can never become a sheep? Now we don't know who God's sheep are, so we preach the gospel to all, right? But if you're a sheep of God, you've been a sheep of God from eternity. And God's love has been set upon you in Christ from before the foundation of the world. We will see again a display of God's special providence tonight. At work for one of his sheep. And she's called the Shulamite woman. One of his sheep. One of God's sheep chosen in Christ from eternity. May God the Holy Spirit illuminate the scriptures and teach us the things of Christ. That we might glorify him more, right? That we might lift up our mouths and praise more to him. Look at... 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 to 6. This will be our text tonight. Then spake Elijah unto the woman, that's the Shuamite woman, whose son he restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou in thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. Now there's a reason here. For the Lord, that's Jehovah, hath called for a famine. And it what? What's it say? It shall. You know, I looked up that word last night. Do you know that word shall? Dave, this will knock your socks off. It's used in over 6,000 verses in the Bible. And it's used 9,062 times, I think it was. The word shall. And I was talking to my buddy Jake last night. And he said it's a, it's a legal term. It's a legal term. It's used when Zane say you have a construction site. You're going to build me something. And in a contract, you say, I shall do this for Wayne. It's a legal, it's a legal term. Now think of this, God made a covenant, didn't he? He's legally bound 
by his word, by the word shall, he's legally bound to that everlasting covenant. That's security, isn't it? Dave, we can't mess it up. Because the Lord Jesus said, the angel said, call, him, call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from it. He saved us, doesn't he? He saved our souls. Word's true. It's binding. God's honor's at stake. Isn't that wonderful? Sealed. Amen. Sealed by his blood. Man, my, that's wonderful, isn't it? Look at that. And it shall come upon the land seven years. So it's going to come. God says it's going to come. It's going to come. It shall come. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at the seven years end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines. And she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi. Remember him? Yeah, he's got leprosy. You know, you can't touch a leper. It's forbidden by the law, but you can talk to a leper. So the king goes and talks to the leper, Gehazi. Goes and talks to him. The servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elijah hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored, Elijah restored a dead body to life. Behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elijah restored to life. Right there. This is her. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. She testified. She told him, This is my son, Elijah. By the power of God, he's, he was returned to life. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Now that officer there, most commentators believe he was a eunuch because he would have no... A eunuch, a eunuch served the kings during those times and they became eunuchs so that they could serve the king without being, um, being worried about um, children or heirs or anything like that. And so when he assigned a eunuch to her, to her office, this man had no ambition for any riches. He's there to serve the king. And the king tells him to go and serve her. He's going to go serve her. Look at this, though. Remember, she left and all. We don't know what happened, but somehow her land was, somebody else had her land now. Some commentators, Tim James, I was reading Tim, he thinks, well, maybe there was a family fight. You know, after they left, she took off, the family just said, hey, we're taking over the farm. You don't know. We don't know. It's not, it's not there. But we know that she doesn't have possession of the farm right now or the land that she has, the house. Look at this, though. Look at this. This is amazing. Remember how we fell in Adam? We have all restored in Christ and more, even more. Look at this. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer saying, Restore all that was hers, everything that was hers, and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land even until now. She left the land seven years before. She getting seven years worth of things from that property. Restore it under her. Just, just restore it. Just give it to her. Oh my what a picture of us in Christ beloved right we have restoration spiritual life we were dead in trespasses and sins now we have spiritual life and what do we have in Christ everything even more than what we had before even more it's absolutely wonderful now this passage we will look at tonight it's not to be viewed as a chronological order to the previous ch chapter uh, the word then does not put the time 
framed directly after the trampling of the death of the king's servant. When the seven years of famine took place, it's not clearly set. We don't know. We don't know when, it, when it's clearly set. In the chronologically, chronologically, chronological report runs in this manner. The first two verses take place prior to the seven years of famine. Right? Prior. Then spake Elijah unto the woman whose son she had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou and thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called thee for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. So that's the setting of it right there. The first two verses deal with before the famine. Before the famine. The next four verses take place after the famine. And the two verses that reveal the words of Elijah, as he informs a Shuamite woman of the coming famine, instruct her to leave Samaria for another land for seven years. Seven years. And then verse, again, verse 3 to 6 takes place after the famine when, when she returns home. And tonight we will see the wonder work and power of God, beloved. And I want us to think in our lives. I want us to think in our lives how God delivered us before we were even saved and since we're saved. Oh my. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of times he delivered us we don't even know. But I want us to ponder that. How many times, Brian, did the Lord deliver us from, from things we didn't even know? And then there's a few things we do know, though, where we can look back now and go, oh my gosh, look what the Lord did. I could have ruined my life here. He took care of the whole time. Before I was saved, I could have ruined my life. Absolutely ruined my life. He took care of me. And then, after I'm, after I'm saved, now, now we start to become more conscious of God's absolute sovereignty, of his providence in our lives. And it's so exciting. Because we can look back with faith in Christ and go, my goodness. We know nothing happens by chance or luck, right? There's no such thing as luck in this world. It's God's providence. That's what it is. See, men just want to rob God of the glory. That's all. Natural man wants to rob God of the glory. That's why he, that's why he worships these, these statues and stuff. My, the Egyptians, they had human bodies with animal heads on them as their, as their gods. They, they, took the, they took the thing that was created and worshipped it over the creator, giving the glory to a piece of stone rather than to God. See, now that's true of religion, right? It wants the glory. It wants the glory. But grace changes everything. We now, don't we, Brother Zane, we give God the glory for everything. He's the one who's worthy of our praise. And only him. No one else. No one else at all. My, we'll see, we'll see too that God hears the cries of the righteous. You ever cried out to God, beloved? He hears our cries. And how are we righteous? We're not righteous on our own, are we? Oh, no. We're righteous in Christ. And he hears the cry of the righteous. He hears the cries of his people. My, oh, my. Don't ever think God don't hear our prayers because he hears them all. Don't ever think that God doesn't know about every tear we shed. Don't think that, that God doesn't know about the great heartaches in our hearts sometimes. He knows everything. And he's right there. The great physician. 
ever taking care of us, holding us in the everlasting arms, the scripture says, upholding us. My, what a Savior. What a Redeemer. And think of this, too. God hears our cries just as he heard the cries of Moses and the prophets. He hears our cries. Just as he heard the cries of Peter and Paul, James, John, saints of all we don't even know, he hears the cries of his people right now. And he's interceding for us, the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven right now, right this second, right this second. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, it's wonderful. Turn, if you would, to Lamentations chapter 3. We can be sure of divine intervention. Do you, know, do you know that God intervenes in our lives every day? You know that? You may say, how, how, come on, Wayne. How does God intervene in our lives every day? Zane, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Yes, you did. His mercies are new every morning, aren't they? Every morning, his mercies are new. Every morning. Look at this. Lamentations chapter 3. Zane and I were talking about this yesterday. We were working on some stuff at the church here today. We were having a grand time. Or yesterday. We were having a grand time. And this is something we talked about here. We're, we're, I, are you thankful, Dave, that God's mercies are new every morning? What a blessing. Eh? What, yesterday's manna is not for today. That's why they had to get new manna every day. And look at yeah, feeds us. He sustains us. Gives us sustenance every day. Look at this. Oh my. We can be sure. We can be sure that the day of divine intervention is most certainly not past. Because again, we can look back on our lives and see what God's done in our lives. My oh my. He watches over his people every single day. Look at this. Lamentations 3, starting in verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies, it's of Jehovah's mercies, that we are not consumed. The, the fact that we're not consumed is mercy. Is mercy. Because his compassions fail not. Look at this, sister Linda, verse, verse 24. This is wonderful. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is the faithfulness of God. Look at that. Our God's faithful. He's faithful. And his faithfulness is great. Great. And look at this. This is what every believer says now. Right? The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Oh my. Look at that. Who's our hope? Who's our hope? My, oh my. Our hope's Christ, isn't it? We don't have any other hope than Christ. There was a time when we hoped in ourselves or hoped in something we could do. We, we, we take absolutely no hope in ourselves. My, oh my. You know, as we grow in grace, do you know what the Lord teaches us? How we're so dependent upon him more and more and more. And how little we know. He teaches us how little we know. My, oh my. If you ever run into somebody who thinks they know something... They don't know nothing. <laughs> you ever run into people, religious folks, and the man they, they think they know so much, so much, they don't know nothing. My oh my! You know I've been preaching now for 15 years, and I feel like I'm just starting. I'm just I'm finally starting to learn something, Dave. Amen. <laughs> I'm finally starting to learn something. My oh my! Isn't that isn't that amazing? Is it so for you? Man, we come, we, we listen to the messages, and we get so fired up, it's like, it's like brand new, isn't it? It's like brand new. That's wonderful. 
That means the Holy Spirit's teaching you and guiding you and directing you. Because that's him doing that, not the preacher. I'm just a mouthpiece, eh? Norm, that's all I'm doing. I'm, trump- I'm blowing the trumpet. I'm, I'm reading the report of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the Holy Spirit takes it and blesses your heart, I say, hallelujah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. He must increase and I must decrease, right? That's what we all say, isn't it? That's what we say. Oh, my. Look at this, though. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of Jehovah, of the Lord. And you know what? Salvation's of the Lord, isn't it? Right? Sister Linda, you teach Gavin that salvation's all of Christ from beginning to end. The same thing I preach in the pulpit. Because that, that's the only salvation. There's no salvation anywhere else. Not in anything we do. No, we can't be saved by anything. And that is something that God teaches us as he's drawing us to him. He reveals to us our need, doesn't he, brother? You need brother? Yeah, so why? Oh, man, I'm so needy. I'm so needy. My, oh, my. Now, we've learned in our past studies. Remember our past studies? We've learned how, how precious this Shilamite woman is to, to Elijah. She, she, it, she knows him going through town, and she started to feed him. Remember at first she started to feed him? And then she said to her husband, let's build a chamber in the house so that he can stay with us. Now, you know how sweet it is when we get together and fellowship together? Imagine that with those two. They, 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 they feel the same thing we do when we get together. We're, we're feeling the same thing they did. That love for God. That, that ability to be able to sit and talk with someone about what you believe. Uh, to, to have someone else believe the doctrines of grace and you can talk with them and, and, and you can rejoice and praise God for, for saving us because we couldn't save ourselves and for choosing us because we never would have chose him and for the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that washes away all our sins cleanses us from all our sins oh, we quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord again, she fed him, she took care of him and remember, Elijah asked her, what do you want in return for, for what you've done for me? And she said, I dwell among my own people. She's content. You know, only God can make us content. Only God can make us content. Because we are restless by nature. We are restless by nature. But what did she, again, what did she mean when she said, I dwell among my own people? She meant she was content. She was happy with what she had. And therefore, she asked for nothing in return. And then remember the same fellow that talked to the king, Gehazi, he, he, he told Elijah, well, she don't have no child. And Elijah said, you're going to have a baby. Who made him say that? Well, Jehovah, hey, God made him say that. And he made it come to pass, didn't he? And then we learn that the, the young man died. Oh, the, the son of promise. And she told Elijah, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. But Elijah raised that child from the dead didn't he? by the power of God, by the power of God. All according to the sovereign will of God. Keep that in mind. All according to the sovereign will of God. As we read this again, remember, this is all coming to pass according to the sovereign will of God. If you're saved tonight, listening, or who will listen, it's because of the sovereign will of God. Isn't that wonderful? It still fills me with awe. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Then spake Elijah unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou in thine household and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn for the Lord hath called for a famine 
and it shall also come to pass or come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. So we see the love and care that Elijah has for the Shulamite woman. He warns her. God's told him there's going to be a famine, and he tells her. And God said, that, that famine shall come to pass. It, he'll come, you know. There's a great day coming, isn't it? It shall. There, there, there'll be a judgment day. It's coming. It shall come. We saw, we saw the, in the book of Acts study, right, the angel said, this, this same Jesus shall come again. Well, he's going to come again as a judge, isn't he? As a lion. As a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming again. My. Not as a lamb. As a lion. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went in her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. Now this famine seems to only have affected Israel. It's not affecting the lands around it, just Israel. And it may have come about because the Israelites, they've, they've gone off into idol worshiping. They're worshiping the gods of the heathen who aren't gods. Who aren't gods. They're pieces of stone. They're, they're, they're figments of man's imagination. And, and they're, they're, that's, that's what they are. My, oh, my. We'll see, we'll see that this regard that Elijah shows for this woman, and according to providence, sets up a picture of what Christ has done for his people. Now, the scriptures, many people have been moved around in the scriptures, in the word of God. Think of Joseph. He was sent off into Egypt from Israel. Then his family was moved from Israel to Egypt. And then think of Abimelech and Naomi. My. Think of Moses taken from the land of Israel to sojourn in the wilderness for a while. My oh my. And then go back to Egypt. And then get to the promised land and he can't enter because he struck the rock twice. Which that rock was a picture of Christ and Christ can only be smote once for the sins of his people. So he couldn't enter to, into the promised land. But I'll tell you, he's in glory right now. Oh my. Brother Tim James brings forth that God's ordained people are immortal until their course runs out. What does that mean? Well, that means it's appointed unto man once to die. We can't die until that appointed time of God. And we cannot miss that appointment. Can't reschedule it. I do that with the doctors all the time. Can't do that. Can't reschedule this appointment. Listen to what Job says. And in turn, if you want, to Hebrews 9 while I'm reading this. Hebrews 9, and I'll read Job 14, 14. It says, If a man dies, shall he live again? If, if a man dies, is he going to live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change come. My, oh my. There's coming a change, brother. There's coming a change for God's people, isn't there? The minute we drop this veil of, this, this tent of flesh, man, we're changed, aren't we? Woo, man. Corruption shall put on incorruption. My, oh my, what a day that'll be, eh? Oh my. I'll tell you what, we're all yearning for that, aren't we? Oh, we're yearning for that. Now look at this in Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, verses 24 to 28. This is wonderful. Hebrews 9, 24 to 28. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. That's where he is right now. To appear in the presence of God for us. He's interceding for us, beloved. My, at the right hand of God. Remember, Stephen saw him standing at the right hand of God. Nor yet that he should offer himself often. His sacrifice was once for all his people. One time. It's finished. As the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he have suffered since the foundation of the world. But 
Now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to what, Dave? Put away sin. He put our sin away. How? By the sacrifice of himself. My, what a savior. What a redeemer is Jesus Christ our Lord. And as it is appointed on the man once to die, but after this the judgment. There it is. There's that appointment. No one's going to miss that appointment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. He bore the sins of his people. That's us. We who are the born again born our saints of God. My, this is what he's done. To bear the sins of many. And unto them that look to him shall he appear the second time. Without sin unto salvation. We are going to see him, beloved. We're either going to see him the day we die. Or if we're alive. When he comes, we're going to see him in the clouds. And then we'll see him face to face forever. Could you imagine just gazing into the eyes of Christ? Oh my! It will be wonderful, won't it? It'll be absolutely wonderful, beloved. We think we have joy now. My, where do we see him? Where do we shout with the saints in glory? I mean, they're shouting. My, my, oh my. Now we see in verse 2, let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 8. We see in verse 2 that the Shiamite woman, she arose, listened to the man of God, and went into the land of the Philistines for seven years, just like he told her. So she was obedient to God's command, right? She believed God. She believed, number one, that there was going to be a famine. And she believed God and went into the, what he told her, go into the land. Right? God's warning her through Elijah, isn't he? She's obedient. So off she goes. It says, And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned. See, it wasn't just her. It was her household. And sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. She believed God. By God-given faith, she believed God. She believed God. And she obeyed him. Now, in our natural state, we don't obey God, do we? But after the Lord gives us faith to believe, ah, my, by God's grace, we obey, don't we? We obey. Do you sin more than you want to? Yeah, we do, don't we? Oh, if we could never sin again, we'd be so happy, but we're just sinners saved by grace, right? But oh, my, we sin more than we want to. So she believed God by God-given faith. And she believed that God would bring her back at the appointed time. In Deuteronomy, our Lord said to Israel, I bought you out, and I will bring you in. He bought us out of the world, brother. He's going to bring us home, brother. My. He will. Yeah, he who began that good work. He's going to finish it, isn't he? Amen, brother. He's going to finish it. Oh, my. So then what's the life of God? Uh, the life of the child of God is what? It's a display. It's a display of God's providence being worked out in our lives. You know, Scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How are we good? Only in Christ. Right? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That cake mix, Dave, that's exactly what that's talking about. Good and bad. Everything we went through mixed all in in our lives for our good. And there ain't an ingredient left out, is there? Oh. And it's made, and the icing's on the cake, and there's our life. All mixed together for our good and for his glory. Isn't that amazing? My. No. Just amazing. It's just, it's just, it's, it, it seems too wonderful, but it isn't. It's just more and more wonderful, isn't it? Oh, my. Oh. 
So the life of God, or the life life of a of a believer of one of God's people, is again a display of God's providence at work, and the working out of His will, His eternal will too, and His purpose in our lives. We see it. We see it in the scale of our lives. We see it in our brothers and sisters' lives too, don't we? And we rejoice, don't we? We rejoice at the great things God's done. My, from the womb to the tomb, from the cradle to the grave, God's people's steps are ordered by the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Were you saved by accident or on purpose? Yeah, here we go, brother. You're saved on purpose, God's purpose. So was I. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, my. So, now we see she makes a choice. She goes into the land of the Philistines. But remember that as God's people, nothing that happens in this world catches God by surprise. He knew what she was going to do. He knew where she was going to go. A friend of mine in Oregon said this. He said, either God restrains us from sin or he releases us. My, oh, my. And when we fall into that sin, we learn a lesson, don't we? And we come crawling back to God. But he's never left us. He never left us. It's us who plunges into sin. Remember the song of Solomon? Oh, you remember? Remember the, the bridegroom? He's looking in the window at her. He, and she's slumbering in sleep. And he's looking in the window. And she arises and he's gone. You know, he's not left. He's still watching her. She can't see him, but he's still watching her. Oh, my. Lord's ever close to us. He don't leave us. He don't forsake us. He protects us. My, oh, my. We're always brought back, though. When we wander off, we're always back. I, I like I like what I heard D.J. Ward say today. I was listening to old D.J. today, and he said, again, he said, uh, he said folks worry, well, well, maybe I'm not a sheep. Maybe I'm a goat. And he said, well, let me tell you this. If you're a sheep of God, you won't be anything else but a sheep of God. And God's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you go. He's going to bring you back. If we wander off, because sheep wander, don't we? Now, we can, we can still be in church and wander in our heart, can't we? My. But he always, bring, right? he always brings us back. He's the good shepherd. He's wonderful. My. You know? We're thinking, we're out there thinking, oh, we're all alone. And he just comes over and lovingly takes us into his arms. I found you. I found you, my little sheep. You're mine. I bought you. Come on. You're, you're not going to follow me. I'm going to carry you with everlasting arms underneath us. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, it's so glorious. It's so glorious. I'm telling you. This Shuamite woman, what did she find among the Philistines? Well, she found, she found food and sustenance. And there's a famine in the land of Israel. And by God's divine providence, she's led. She's led. She's, oh, I choose to go to, I choose to, go to the Philistines. <laughs> she's being led by God, beloved. Oh, my. And while she's in there, She's in the land with his idol worship and everything. And God's keeping her and holding on to her. And she's worshiping God. Now, some folks, well, why did God take her to a land of land where there are a bunch of heathens? Well, you know what? Israel had went off and followed heathens too. They were, they were acting like heathens themselves. 
going after all these idols. God puts her in a place where she got food the whole seven years. And he takes care of her and he keeps her. He keeps her. My, what a picture of us. God keeps us, doesn't he? He got his hand upon us, keeps us. And so by special providence, special divine providence, he found sustenance, food for all of her, all of her family in the land of the Philistines. Think where here we are. Here we are. Thousands of years later. What? Two, three thousand, four thousand years later. Reading and learning by the teaching of God the Holy Spirit of how God cares by this illustration of the Shulamite woman. He's teaching us. He's showing us. I'm going to take care of you. You're mine. What was that verse you quoted me yesterday? You remember, brother? Okay, there was one about how he keeps, he, you know, the one in Isaiah, I think, or Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah. What was that? Jeremiah what? 32, what was it again? 32, Do you remember the verse? Shall not leave him. Look at that. He puts fear in the heart of his people. You got it there, Brother Dave? Uh, 3240? Yeah. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts, and they shall not depart. Amen. Look at that. Isn't that wonderful? They shall not depart from it. Look at that. There it is again. So this lady. This Shulamite woman was in the land of, land of the Philistines. And God, she's one of God's. And so what's God going to do? She won't depart from me. Even though she's in the land of heathens. Look at us in the world, beloved. Why don't we go off and wander off? Because we're kept by God. And he said, he said, Brother Brian, you're one of his. He said, Brian, you shall not depart from me. Whoo! My! Ah, it makes your, makes your soul want to sing, doesn't it? It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely wonderful. So God protected her while she's in this land of idolatry. And it's a place where she could still worship God, though. She could still worship God. And she's able to worship in Samaria where, where Israel at this time, again, it was steeped in idolatry. So it was no different than the Philistines area. They were falling off the bail and all these other gods that weren't gods. Can you? you know, and, I, and I know because I was in religion too and I was worshiping statues and all this stuff. And, and I still wonder, how did I do that? Well, it was because I was so depraved, right? And, and think of this though. To know the living true God, well, to think you know him, right? And then go after an idol? Worship an idol? That's a piece of stone? It shows you they didn't really know God, did they? Remember, not all Israel is Israel. Oh my. God's people are spiritual Israel, aren't they? He has a remnant. He had a remnant back then, just like he... I was talking to someone today, and they're like, Man, there's hardly any good churches anymore. I said, Well, God's still got a remnant. Come and hear the gospel. He's still got a remnant preaching the gospel. My so God protected her. This woman was a woman of faith. Turn, if you would, to Titus. Titus chapter Titus chapter 3. Do you know this woman was a woman of faith? And the only, one, the only thing that made her to differ from the other women in Israel at that time, you know what it is? Is God. God. Who's the only one who made us to differ? God. Right? 
Genesis 6, 8 says this, but God, or but, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's the only thing that made Noah to differ. That's the only thing, beloved. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look at this in Titus chapter 3, starting verse 4. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Do you see that? The kindness and love of God appeared. God manifest in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. That's who, that's who came. That's who came. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Look at that. This is being stressed by Paul, isn't it? Not by works of righteousness which we have done. That's imperative, isn't it? But according to what? Whose mercy? God's mercy. His mercy. He saves us by the washing of regeneration. You must be born again in the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Look at that. Justified by his grace. We found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's the only thing that made us different from all these people in the world. My, oh, my. So let we who are the redeemed of the Lord often remember the multiple times that we've been delivered by God. My, and let's give God all the glory for it. Let's praise him as those, those thoughts come to mind. Let's praise him for those wonderful deliverances. Look at verse 3 now in 2 Kings chapter 8. And it came to pass at the seven years' end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. So in verse 3, again, we see the Shuamite woman is safely brought back into the land by God. Safely brought back. By God's divine providence, she now returns home. And we see that her home has been taken from her. We're going to see that coming up. So she's going to go seek the king's help. She's going to go cry to the king for the return of her house and land. Let's read verses 4 and 5. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying... Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elijah hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elijah restored to life. Watch in wonder here. The wonder-working power of God appears before us here and reveals this wonderful purpose of God in his grace and mercy towards his people. Remember the cry of Hannah? She cried, he killeth and he maketh alive. He brings low and raises up. Well, she brought low, isn't she? She's lost her house. Oh my, she lost her land. She's bought low. But you know what? God's going to raise her back up. You know, we were bought low in the fall, brothers, ain't Oh, we were but so low in depravity and sin. But we've been raised up in Christ, brother. Oh, my. We've been raised up in Christ. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And we see how, again, how she's being bought low. And now she must cast herself upon the will of the king. We cast ourselves upon the will of the king, don't we? Oh, yes, we do. And watch and wonder. Watch and wonder as, as God's grace is manifest to this Shuamite woman in verses 4 to 6. This Shuamite woman comes to the king. Now, he don't know nothing about her. He's, he's talking to Gehazi. 
and asking Gehazi about the wonders that God performed, or that Elijah performed by the power of God. And he's, he's about to learn that one of the ones who is the object of God's love and grace and mercy is coming to him. Coming to him. My oh my. Now he's, he's also about to learn that she's an object of God's eternal love by the miracles which have been done in her, in her life. By the miraculous power of God. And unknown to her, Gehazi is talking to the king about her. The king, he's just inquiring about the things Elijah's done. Well, tell me about what Elijah did. Well, let me tell you about this Shulamite woman. She had no, no children. She built the chamber for Elijah. So he could stay there. And we, Gehazi was with him, traveled with him. We stopped in there. And she fed us. And then she didn't have nothing. And Elijah asked her what she wanted. And she said, I don't want nothing. I'm content. And I told Elijah, you know, she don't have no child. And Elijah said, you're going to have a son. And you know what, king? She had a son. King's probably thinking, why? That's amazing. And he says, and you know, you know, sir, that 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 son died. And Elijah, by the power of God, restored that, that son to life. Imagine the king. He'd be hanging on his chair. Really? Yeah. And remember, Gehazi is an eyewitness and an ear witness of this. He heard it and he saw it. Right? And, and isn't that amazing? That God is using this this servant of Elijah after he's been he's been cast away, and now he's testifying of the great things that Elijah did. Isn't that amazing? My, I think he knows he was wrong. My oh my. My oh my. Again, it, it was it was forbidden. It was forbidden for a leper to, to come in contact with an Israelite. But they could talk to him. They could talk to him from a distance. So the king seeks to question Gehazi. He's the servant of Elijah. And again, Shulamite woman doesn't know that, that the king's talking to Gehazi about her. He, she has no clue that he's, he's relating the story of the Shulamite woman. And she, that's her. So she's going to the king. Let's read verses 4 and 5 again. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elijah hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king, how he had restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman, whose son he had restored to life, cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son whom Elijah restored to life. Now the king had no idea that he was going to be persuaded to show mercy to this woman, right? He didn't even know her. He didn't even know her. Who persuaded him? Who persuaded him to show mercy? <laughs> who, who moved in the hearts of the Egyptians that they gave, they, they gave Israel all their gold and jewels? Amen, brother. Jehovah did that. He's at work again. He's always at work, beloved. He's always moving for the, the benefit of his people. Always. It's wonderful. So here, Gehazi is telling the king, and the king had no idea he's going to be persuaded to show mercy and grace to this woman. But just watch, again, at what God does. He gives her favor in the eyes of this king. 
My, oh my. You and I, beloved, have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I've learned over the years that if you want the right information, you go to the source, don't you? I had some folks a long time ago tell me, oh, don't go talk to that fella. He's, he's, he's uh, he bad news. He's not preaching the gospel. You know what I did? First thing I want to do is go listen to his message. <laughs> That's how I am. People tell me, don't go, don't go beat that fella or don't go talk to that fella. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the source. That's what we should do. Right? My, oh, my. And so what does this king do? He wants, he wants to know the truth about Elijah. Well, he goes to someone who was right there, doesn't he? He goes to God's eye. My, oh, my. And, she, and, he, and he witnesses to the wondrous things that Elijah's done. Gehazi had seen Nahum healed from leprosy. His eyes had been opened up to see all those chariots and angels all around them. When that huge host of, of, of uh, the enemies were all around them. And, and Elijah said, they're more for us than against us. <laughs> oh my. No, oh, he's so good. If God be for us, who can be against us, right? Oh my. Look at this in verse 5 again. Let's read it. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king, how he had restored the to a dead body to life, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for the house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elijah restored to life. Now think about the prodigal son, beloved. He'd wasted everything he had. He was coming home. He said, I'm just going to be a servant for my dad. I'm going to be a servant for my father. My, 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 my father's servants eat better than I'm eating right now. I'm eating pig stuff and, and, and uh, um, husks of corn. And he didn't even make it home, did he? Before his father ran out to him. said, put the ring on his finger. Bring forth the best robe. Let's clothe him in that best robe. My son has returned. My son has returned. You know, there's joy in heaven every time, uh, every time a, a believer is born again. Oh my! Isn't that wonderful? Oh my! And he didn't even make that prodigal didn't even make it home, and his dad's kissing him. <laughs> He's so in love with him. He's like, "Oh my son, my son, my son!" Oh my! And what this dear woman of God didn't know is that all her requests had already been heard by our great God and provided for. He knows our hearts. He knows things even before we speak them. He knows our needs. And he always takes care of his sheep. I have seen it time and time and time again, beloved, in my life. And I'm sure you have too. It's been absolutely amazing. So we see here the ruling grace of God on display. See, God's sovereign. His rule is sovereign. He rules over everything. He puts kings into power, doesn't he? He puts prime ministers and presidents into power. That's what he does. But we see the ruling grace of God over, overriding and touching this heart of this king so that he would have compassion on the Shilamite woman. He didn't even know her. He'd heard about her from Gehazi, but he didn't know her. He'd never met her until she'd come running up. And Gehazi finishes the report and suddenly the story is supported now with a visual aid. The actual woman who he was talking about. Right? And the son! And the son, too. She'd never cried out to the king for help, but her estate was settled before she even asked for it. You know how? By the grace of God. By the grace of God. I ask you, beloved, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this great? Isn't this true? 
for every born again blood washed saint of God isn't this true for all of us the Lord Jesus Christ saved us at Calvary's cross by the shedding of his precious blood all according to the will and mercy and grace of God we say hallelujah right amen my now let's look at verse verse 5 and 6 and it came to pass as he was telling the king how he restored the dead body to life that behold the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land and Gehazi said my lord O king this is the woman and this is this is her son whom Elijah restored to life oh look at this next verse how this pictures the gospel beloved we fell in Adam and we're restored in Christ we have more now than we've ever had before we have all spiritual blessings in Christ all the promises of God are, are yea and amen in Christ and look what it says here verse 6 and when the king asked the woman she told him she just testified of what, what God had done through Elijah so the king appointed yeah, he didn't even hesitate he appointed uh, he appointed what a certain officer saying restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day she left the land even until now my oh my everything she lost in those seven years was restored and her house and her land given back to her oh this pictures this pictures when the elect of God hear and understand when they hear of the great work accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ by, by the one who is the true prophet the true priest the true king the Lord Jesus Christ he accomplished the work of salvation for us it is finished it's done oh, before we cry for mercy before we come to Christ what do we hear? We hear we hear that we hear that Christ already died for us. That all we lost in Adam is being restored. And by the regenerating power of God, the Holy Spirit, He becomes the lover of our soul, doesn't he, brothers and He becomes our all in all. My oh my. And secondly, when the elect of God hear the gospel, the report of the finished work of Christ, grace just bubbles in our hearts, doesn't it? It just fills us with joy. Oh my, what a wonderful salvation. And, and it flows from God like streams of living water to us. We're thirsty and we're filled by Christ. Oh my. And when hearing of the great works of Elijah, the king immediately sees who the recipients of the miracles done by God are. He, she, she, he, he sees her face to face now. Gehazi has identified her. This is the woman. This is the Shulamite I was just telling you about. And finally in verse 6, the king asked the woman and she told him, she told him, this is my child. This is the child that I was promised by God. This is the child that died. I, I was there when he, he breathed his last breath. And by the power of God, Elijah restored him to life. God gave him back to me. Oh my. And he that was dead yet lives. Beloved, we that were dead now truly live we're this body we're going to shed this body one day but we're going to live for eternity in the presence of God and let's read verse 6 again and when the king asked the woman she told him so the king appointed unto her a certain officer saying restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land even until now we see the king assigned her a servant a eunuch brother Tim James says and other commentators say it was a eunuch one who had no concerns of heirs but only concerned with serving her, serving the king by serving her. His job was to restore all that was lost by royal command. What does Christ do for us by royal command? He restores all that was lost, doesn't he? Oh, it's wonderful. I'll tell you what. I'll tell, 
it just gets better and better, doesn't it? It's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So by royal command, he restores all that was lost. And, and what a picture of the gospel of grace. See, the gospel preacher, we're not called to, to seek a following. We're called to point people to Christ. That's what we're called to do. And from this pulpit, by the grace and mercy of God, will proceed Christ and him crucified for sinners. The only hope for sinners is the Lord Jesus Christ. So she was even to receive the fruit that was gathered while she was in a foreign land. And one of the grand themes of the gospel is restoration. We fell in Adam, right? But the believer in Christ is restored. We've been redeemed. We've been restored by Jesus Christ our Lord. And we're called heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So the years of sin and loss, the years in Lodabar. And we were in Lodabar. That's the house of no bread. That's where we were when God found us. Same place Mephibosheth was. And God said, go fetch him. That's called fetching grace. Right? And who's, who, who fetched us? The Holy Ghost did, didn't he? And brought us to Christ. And now we say, oh Lord, why you have mercy on a dead dog like me. And you know what the king says to us? What David said to Mephibosheth, fear not. Praise his mighty name. Praise his mighty name. What a savior. What a redeemer. My. And we have all spiritual blessings now in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all, again, I'm going to say it again. All the promises of God are yea and amen in him for the believer. My. Praise be to God. The God of all grace. The God of all mercy. Praise God for, for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. The Holy Spirit, our great comforter and our teacher, and praise God for the Father, who is bound by the word shall to the everlasting covenant of grace. And we shall not perish. He will keep us and take us home, beloved. And all we can say is, praise his mighty name. My, oh my.